The retirement and IRA show represents the words and views of the show hosts exclusively and should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. All economic and performance information is historical in nature and is not indicative of any future results. Any indices mentioned on the show are unmanaged and cannot be invested indirectly. Diversification and asset allocation strategies do not assure profit or protect against loss. Never make any investment or financial decisions based on information offered on this show without first consulting your financial, legal, or tax advisor. Financial planning services offered through Jim Solnier and Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor. This is the Retirement and IRA Show coming to you from beautiful northern Colorado. Join us as certified financial planner Jim Saunier, as well as Colorado State University finance instructor and certified financial planner Chris Stein, teach you about IRAs, 401ks, annuities, social security, pension plans, and estate planning in a fun and enjoyable show. Whether you are listening live in Colorado or streaming from their website or iTunes podcast, Jim and Chris want you to know that they're available to help you plan for your retirement. Just visit their website at jimhelps.com. That's jim, H-E-L-P-S dot com. And click the Meet the Team button on the homepage. Now here's Jim and Chris with today's show. Well, Happy New Year and welcome to the Retirement and IRA show. I know it's not exactly New Year, but it's early in the year, so I still am feeling like it's the new year. Um, Today's the EDU show, if I didn't mention that already. We're going to first circle back to a topic that we spoke about a few shows ago, actually. We were discussing these new uh, defined outcome uh, TIPS-based ETFs. So there's a lot of acronyms in there. So TIPS, uh, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities and ETFs uh, stands for Exchange Traded Funds for those new to uh, the world of of finance. But uh, we had kind of an outstanding question there. We were trying to get clarity on uh, exactly how they operated in a few aspects behind the scenes, get some details about how they function because they're kind of new animals uh, out there, we didn't we didn't name the provider uh, for the ETFs because really discussion on the, the this new category and not uh, talking about a specific product at a specific ETF provider. But uh, Jim's going to fill us in on what they what they found because uh, he and Jacob had a conversation with them, and then we'll get back to finish up um, uh, some of our discussion on that uh, article from last week that we went a little long uh, on uh, on uh, talking about the uh, the list of um, insurance products. It was a, essentially an article about insurance products that uh, all retirees should know about, kind of the, the important list. And, and we mentioned at the top of that discussion that we were shocked that uh, one type of insurance product wasn't mentioned, and that's uh, income annuities. Um, but we got kind of waylaid in talking about the other things they listed. We never ended up getting around to talking about income annuities and why we think those are important to consider for retirees. Uh, Not everyone, but they serve a purpose. We are uh, in this uh, office, what I'd call, uh, what I'd describe as uh, annuity agnostic. Uh, We look at them as a a tool, not not good or evil uh, in and of itself, but rather a tool that can be used uh, in certain circumstances to achieve a certain goal. 
So uh, we'll we'll get back to that after we talk about these uh, defined outcome ETFs that we had discussed previously. I know a lot of people were waiting for the for the uh, uh, answer back from uh, Jim's investigation. So we'll bring him in now. So Jim. Wow, that was a that was an amazing introduction you did there. I was kind of convoluted and and uh, no, it sounded professional. It sounded like oh. we actually know what we're doing. Well, I'm glad because I was just kind of rambling on, <laughs> <laughs> trying to sound coherent. So. Well, every now and then I listen to other podcasts. Yeah. Uh, again, mostly on how to run a business, not necessarily on financial planning. Yeah. But uh, they, they definitely spend buka bucks on professional. Uh, creation i guess and and mm, scripted out it's all scripted mm-hmm. out and and they do a, a like an intro similar to what you did with music playing in the background and everything and i keep thinking one of these days one of these days we'll do that but for those who don't know chris and i are two practicing financial planners and we're both very very busy me more than him i mean chris has two full-time jobs six kids and a wife and a bunch of dogs so he's got plenty of time i am a bachelor and have to take care of my house. Well, you have a significant other that you've had for a while. So I do. Your plate is getting fuller than it was a few years ago. Yeah, but she's easy. It's not as hard as... How'd you find one of those? Not easy that way. <laughs> I, that's not what I'm talking about either. I'm not talking about maintenance. <laughs> oh, maintenance. Well, because we don't live together. We still don't cohabitate. Uh, she still has a juvenile child, and I want them to spend as much time together as, as they can. He's at the age where hanging with mom is the least of his important tasks. Mm-hmm. So she values any time that she can spend with him, so I encourage that. And she works from home, and I work from home, and it would be difficult. Mm-hmm. So we, <clears throat> we don't live together like you and your wife. Last time I checked, you, mm-hmm. you still live with your wife, correct? Uh, I still do, and, and <laughs> if it's up to me, I plan to. We'll have to check with her to make sure, you know, verify sure her she feelings. Agrees, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, folks, um, the podcast, and, and we don't, uh, I guess, do professional editing of the podcast. I often call it uh, live recorded right? because we just do a run and that's it. And literally today, Chris asked me as I, we're in the office today. We're not mm-hmm. both working from home. We're both in the office today. Mm-hmm. So I came upstairs to what Chris calls the penthouse suite, which is the attic. And as I'm coming upstairs, I chatted with Chris and he's like, well, what are we going to talk about today? And pretty much what he told you, I'm like, well, here, here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. There's no script. He has no idea what I'm going to say. I have, I don't even know what I'm going to say. And uh, he, I have no idea what he's going to end up saying. And that, I think, it makes our podcast unique and different. And I think the fact that we are practicing financial advisors, and I own a registered investment advisory firm, have been planning retirements for over 25 years, I think it adds a dimension to our podcast that you can't get elsewhere. We're truly on this show, and we're doing this, Honestly, because I like to do it. And I think Chris, even though he won't admit it, he likes to do it now too. I think he did it originally, especially when we used to do it live on Saturday mornings on the radio. You did it because I was paying you and it was your job. I don't think you really liked getting up early on Saturday and going to Greeley. But I think he enjoys it now too. And we- I like it because I, I like uh, the educational aspect of it that we're, you know, share. We have... <clears throat> what a few people at least find some value in what's in our brains and what we've learned 
through our own education and learned through practice and learned from other, you know, I learn a ton from our clients. You know, we've, I joke all the time with people that uh, if you're talking to me, you're going to benefit from me stealing a bunch of great ideas from other retirees who have practiced this and then shared with me what they liked and didn't like about their approach. And I take all the the good stuff and I spread it far and wide because I uh, think it can help people. So I, I like that aspect of it. So I have no, I have no problem uh, doing this. I don't have a, a fear of speaking into a microphone. And neither do I. So, so if you're looking for a high production quality, yeah. wrong podcast. That's when things get iffy. Yeah. If you, or mastery of the English language, totally wrong podcast. But if you want to try to learn a unique and different approach to retirement and you're a new listener in 2024, maybe this is your New Year's resolution, uh, this is a podcast you may want to pay attention to. I have a lot of good topics that I want to cover this year, a lot of good things that we want to get into, and just keep teaching people. Uh, I do this because I love it. If I could do this full-time, I would. And that's not hyperbole. Is that what the word is? Very nice. Did did I nail it? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of floored here. Well, yeah. so am I. And I used it correctly in 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 I in, think it was a perfectly appropriate. Wow. Use. Yeah. See that folks, miracles never yeah. end yeah. on the holiday seasons. So, anyways folks, I did want to pick up where we kind of left off a few weeks ago because I got several emails, like five of them. I'll just read two. Um, but for everyone who wrote to me similar emails as this. And this gentleman, I gave a little hint. So, and, and folks, I don't vet these, <laughs> and I am not the person writing these. But he says, I am from the state that has the lowest high school education rate amongst all 50 states. Now, I don't think he shares this out of pride. I think he's trying to throw his state under the bus and tell him, hey, clean up your act. So the fewest number of high school graduates? Is that kind of what? The state with the lowest lowest. high school education rate. So I don't know what he means by that. It could also be good that there's very few because most of them have more than that, maybe. So it depends on the state he names. Well, you know, this is actually a live link. I printed Mm -hmm. this. I got paper. I didn't mm-hmm. use my iPad. Um, maybe when you're yapping away later, I'll click the link. I'll mm-hmm. open up my iPad. Okay. So I don't know. You're, you're right. Maybe this is a link. This is a good thing that we have the lowest high school rate that most of us are college and higher, mm-hmm. or we have the dumbest folks in the state. Once I give you the name of the state, you all can figure out. Are they the dumbest state, <laughs> or is it the I way I don't know if I'd Chris say thought? dumb. I would, I would probably call them maybe least formally Challenged? educated. Okay, least formally educated. Anyways, take a gander of the state. You got one out of 50. Well, I need to know if, if it's good, That's good or bad. That's the only hint. Oh. Um, how about a state we never really talk about, Mississippi? I knew you were going to say that, and I was going to say, don't say Mississippi. Don't. How come Mississippi is the state that's always dragged through the the? No, muck? no, 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 no. I'm, my mind went to a state we don't ever mention. We we don't. I don't think we have hardly any listener, listeners in Mississippi. We never have Mississippi as a hint. I don't know. But that's not it. It's not Mississippi. Okay, then I have no idea. California. Huh. 
So when, when you start talking, I will click it and see if this link led to something good or bad. So anyways, he says, on a recent mm-hmm. podcast, you had discussed tips ladders and the equivalent exchange-traded fund option from an unnamed vendor. Mm-hmm. And he put a name in that I will not read. Listener, you are correct. That's the vendor I was referencing. Why are we doing this? Remember I mentioned Chris and I are practicing financial planners. We cannot and will not on this podcast recommend specific investments. But we can recommend specific classes of investments or asset classes, if you will. We can say large cap, small cap, mid cap, international, emerging market bond, emerging market debt. We can talk about asset classes, but I can't say, oh, the XYZ exchange traded fund. So we have to be careful. We're not um, Susie Orman or that other dude. Who's, who's the, don't tell me, don't tell me. Oh, God, the debt guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the debt snowball. He talks with a twang. Mm-hmm. I think he's from Tennessee. Uh, Ramsey. Ram- wow, I pulled that mm-hmm. out of nowhere. That hurts. Wow, my head hurts on that it one. It hurt to listen to it. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible with names, mm-hmm. folks. We, they, they are not practicing financial advisors. They can name specific investments. If someday Chris and I retire and we pass the firm on to younger folk and they don't keep us on and we're unemployed, we could do the podcast now mm-hmm. and talk about a specific investment. So I cannot name this company that started offering. They're the first ones. They are not offering a defined outcome ETF. Those are common. Those have been around for a long time. And as the name implies, the exchange-traded fund has an outcome that's predetermined. Maybe not the return, but the outcome. Generally speaking, these are ETFs that will mature at a stated point in time and then just dissolve and pay out. So they call them defined outcome exchange-traded funds. They have some that hold typical treasuries. They have some that hold munis. They also have um, some that uh, they they go by the name bullet shares. Uh, That's kind of the, the vernacular that a lot of them go by. And these would be zero coupon bonds that the ETFs are holding. And then they matured a certain period of time. So this particular company came out for the first time ever with a defined outcome exchange-traded fund owning Treasury inflation-protected securities. I have a feeling they came up with the idea because of the massive inflationary pressures we had in 2022 and a demand for a simplified way of buying tips. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is a tips expert. Not everybody feels comfortable going to a bond desk and putting in a bond trade or even understanding the the bond QSIPs and understanding the bid-ask spread and the yield to maturity or trying to buy at the initial auction if they don't want to deal with any of that. Mm -hmm. People don't want that, and they wanted simplicity. 
but they also don't want to own a typical bond fund, whether it's a mutual fund platform or an exchange-traded fund platform that owns bonds that don't have a stated maturity. They're just going to own a certain type of bonds. We're going to own intermediate government bonds. We're going to own short-term treasury inflation-protected securities. We're going to own emerging market bonds. But the bonds don't mature on a stated date. The ETF goes on in perpetuity, or the mutual fund will go on in perpetuity. Those types of ETFs and mutual funds do give you bond exposure. Chris and I won't dispute that, but you don't get the benefit of owning the individual bond. When a bond in the holdings mature, Everybody shares in it. It's not as if it's yours. So you do suffer the the volatility, if you will, of bonds more when you don't have that defined maturity date of the bond. So what this particular company wanted to do was give you the simplicity of buying an exchange-traded fund and the tax efficiencies of that wrapped in a tips-type ladder. So they created a series of these exchange-traded funds that will mature in 1 to 10 years. Now, this came out last October, October of 23. This is when it was first started, so it isn't even, what is it now? It's January as we do this, so four months old. So these are obviously very, very new. And the ETFs will mature in one year, two years, three years, four years. They all mature on October 15th. Tax filing deadline. I don't. I should have asked that question when I had them on the phone. Did you make it October 15th just because you thought it was cute, tax filing deadline? Or was there a reason they all mature on October 15th of the stated date? But what these allow you to do, at least for a 10-year rung of a ladder, they don't offer more than 10 years. And I asked them why, and I'll get into a minute why they don't have them for more than 10 years. But you can at least get, for the first 10 years, a stated maturity in each year. So if you like owning bonds, but you also like the simplicity of a bond fund, you can now have the benefit of both. So you can get that, that mark-to-market bond fluctuation isn't going to really affect you as much because you know if you just hold this ETF until this October 15th of the stated year, you will get all your money back, assuming the federal government doesn't go bankrupt. Anything you want to add? What do you teach your, your, your kids on that? Not your kids personally, but the, the students you teach uh, obviously, you don't get into defined outcome ETFs, mm-hmm. but do you explain to them the difference between a bond fund and the bond and stuff like that? You know, it's not uh, – we, we talk mostly about the individual bonds and not necessarily the mechanics uh, of, of the bond funds other than recognizing they exist um, – what the students aren't really doing, the students' practical application of their investment um, knowledge that they gain in the classes is usually then deployed in individual security and bond selection within their portfolios. So um, bond funds are not a major 
discussion point as far as their mechanics. Okay. So he continued with his letter asking, I have been listening to your current podcast, and I don't recall you mentioning the outcome of your conversation with that provider. And then we got another email pretty much saying the same thing. Um, He says on your December 13th uh, podcast, you mentioned that Jacob, and it was Jacob and I who spoke, but originally it was just going to be Jacob, would speak with, and he did again find out the provider, you are correct listener, to better understand what these defined outcome tips, ETFs, if they reinvest the interest or not. So they wanted to know the answers to that. And I have the answers. So a couple of things that I found out with these funds. They do work as advertised, or at least that's what they claim they will work as advertised. They will all mature between 1 and 10 years. So I asked them, why aren't you going out more than 10 years and will you? The people I spoke to, I actually got a hold of or got... Uh, in front of, and I got it arranged by a a friend of mine who uses this particular company a lot, not necessarily the ETFs we're talking about, but a colleague of mine, put me in touch with the gentleman that he runs a lot of his business through. This is on the inside. Investment advisors can get this. So I reached out to him, and that gentleman said, well, I, I won't be able to represent you, but I know who can. And they put me in front of that person, and I explained to that person what I'm looking to do, and they actually got me in front of one of the CFAs who actually designed the product. So I got to talk to someone pretty high in there and knew a lot about this product. I can't say I understood everything he was saying. CFAs talk at a whole different level. <laughs> I mean, completely, completely different level. I kept joking with him and saying, can you put that in English? And he would laugh, and then he would try explaining to me what, what they were trying to do. One of the questions I was curious on, though, is I asked him, why do you only go out 10 years, and will you offer more? I will say he hedged on if they were going to offer more. He said, I have no control over what management decides. Mm-hmm. He did say in his opinion... They likely would keep extending it out one year. But he pointed out to me, and I cannot, I apologize, folks, I don't have my notes. I'm in the office and my notes are at home on my kitchen table. I can't remember if he said there are four or seven years between now and 30 years from now. So uh, 20 more years, because the first 10 years are covered. Between year 11 and year 30, there's either four or seven of those years, I forget the number, where there's no tips maturing that year. So they wouldn't be able to offer a complete, steady... Um, I think it's seven, but I'll, I'll Google it while you're talking. Okay. So it's either four or seven years where they're not going to be able to have any tips maturing in that given year. He did indicate, though, because tips are unique and the government may reissue an issue of tips, and he feels that there might be enough reissues that they should be able to keep adding another year to the ladder. He also said, in his opinion, he doesn't come up, he creates the product, he doesn't market them, and he's not the one making the decisions on what ladder rungs management wants to offer to the public. 
But he seems to think if there is enough demand that they will at least lengthen the ladder. They may not make it every year after 10 years. Maybe they have a 12 and an 18 and a 20 and a 24. I'm just making those years up. He doesn't know for sure. But he did ask me, how are you thinking of using this in your practice? And I told him what I intended to do was use it as a ladder between and for what we call the delay period. Now, I didn't get in and tell him the minimum dignity floor or MDF delay period, but longtime listeners know that's what we call what I'm about to describe. It's the period of time between retirement and when your Social Security is fully turned on. We call that the delay period. And if you don't have Social Security, whatever type of secure income you have, whenever it's been optimized and fully turned on, we call that your delay period. And because it has an end date, it's very, very easy to fund. We just get the data from the retirement analysis of how much we're projecting based on what you shared with us your spending is how much we feel you're going to need based on your data each year between now and when your delay period ends. For most people, their delay period is less than 10 years, but not all. We have many people who retire uh, early in their 50s, and their delay period is more than 10 years. Mm -hmm. But I told him we intend to match the purchase of each ETF with the stated dollar amount that we need in each year during the delay period and create a very, very easy bond ladder. And he said to me, that is exactly why we created this product. Not necessarily just for the delay period. He said it's designed as a bridge product to a different period of a retiree's life. That's what they were brainstorming as they came up with this product. Did you find the, is it four or seven? Yeah, no, there's there's a, a seven-year chunk from 2033 through 2039 with no tips maturing. And then there was a couple other individual years, 2030 and 31. There was 2032 in there. Um, but yeah, 2033 to 2039 is the big hole. So that's one reason, folks, that they can't make this ladder. He does feel, and he got into explaining to me, that tips can come out of the same QCIP and issue. So even though they're just offering more tips available, it's the same issue. And that's where my eyes started glossing over, and I was getting, huh? I didn't quite follow what he was saying. But he was saying they may do new issues under the same QCIPs, and we can add another year. But there's no guarantee. I have no idea, and he wasn't budging anything. He, I don't think, was able to tell me because I don't think the guy even knew. So anyways, it's good to know that that's kind of how they feel that it's going to be used. And I would imagine most of you Vanguard, VG, do-it-yourself investors, this is exactly how you intend to use it as well. Then I started asking him about the interest, because this is one of the, the issues of buying individual tips, and those of, or any type of individual bond for that matter, but especially tips. 
So for those of you who have created bond ladders yourself in the past and went out and actually bought the bond, you get interest every year from a tip. You don't get much, relatively speaking, to corporate bonds or normal treasuries, but you do get interest. The reason you don't get as much as a normal treasury, folks, you get an inflation adjustment added to your bond, which we'll explain in a second. So I asked him about the interest, and I told him, I says, one of the things we run into when we buy individual tips for our clients, we have nothing to do with the interest payments. There's not enough interest payments coming in for us to really go out and buy another tip. And then we would have to match that tip to the maturity of the original tip, and that can be difficult. And then we get more of a, a um, retail bid ask spread and we can't with these small dollar amounts be competitive and he said that's another reason this product was designed they do and you can set it up automatically and have the interest payments reinvested into the etf so i asked him what are you buying with that though Are you staying in tips so we can truly get compounding inflation protection? Are you going into a money market? I said, or worse, are you going into a a, a cash holding with your employer and they're going to make a boatload of money off of the yield spread? What are you doing with that? And here his answer, I loved it. He said, We buy more tips because we can pool not only all our purchases for these series of ETFs, but throughout our entire firm. They buy a hell of a lot of bonds. This is a massive firm if you figure out who I'm talking about. And I think there will be others. If this product works, I think you will start to see others in a year or two coming out with their own defined outcome ETFs are very common. This is the first one using tips. I think you'll start to see more. So he said with his ability, his firm's ability, they can take all those interest payments and they will buy tips that also will mature in the stated year. Then he went one step further. He said, what? Because I asked him, what happens in the year of maturity? He said, good question. Here's what we do. For the first six, excuse me, for the first four months, I think it was. Yes, because it matures in October. It was either the first four or six months of the year. Any interest payments will still go into tips. But when they get... It's either four months from October or six months from October. Again, I don't have my notes with me, folks. I apologize. But it's months. It wasn't years. Because remember, these all mature October 15th. He said, we do not buy tips once we get within, it's either four or six months of the maturity of the ETF. There are none available that we can get. He said, so we do put it in a government money market fund. So those will go into a money market fund. So just a little bit of interest will go into that money market fund. And it's only the interest received four to six months from October 15th. 
All other interest is reinvested in the series of tips that will mature in the stated maturity year. You can't get that on your own, listeners. For those of you who are trying to create your own tips ladders, you can't get that. You're stuck with the interest. Now, if you remember, I spoke, well, I didn't speak, but I attended an online seminar that a gentleman named Alan Roth, uh, who got this whole conversation started when he was uh, making a point about um, Wade Fow, and we talked about that on the podcast, and the two of them weren't getting along and disagreeing on things, and we chatted a little bit about that. I have great respect for Alan Roth. Never met the man. He lives in Colorado, South Denver, but still, he doesn't know me, and I don't know him. I just know of him because of his writings. Um, He did a seminar where he talked very highly of these products, and I sent a question through the little type thing there that you can type in. And I, because he believes wholeheartedly in uh, tips, bond ladders to fund your entire retirement or a good portion of your retirement. And I asked him what he does with the interest. And his essential point was you know, this interest is coming in. It's hard to buy new tips. He builds it into the cash flow that his clients are going to be spending every year. So you could do that, I concede. But It would be wonderful if you could reinvest that interest in more inflation protection right up to the maturity date, and these ETFs allow you to do that. And we had a listener, and I don't have his email, folks, but he had another cool idea. He said he's waiting for me to chat about this because he started thinking, even if he doesn't buy these ETFs and he stays with owning the individual bonds in his ladder, which I guess is what he currently does, he told me in his email he doesn't use the interest as part of his cash flow and he's being forced to invest it in non-inflation protection. He's thinking now, Chris, at least for the first 10 years of his ladder, any interest from maybe a bond that matures in three years, he takes that interest and puts it in the ETF that matures in three years. And interest from the bond that matures in four years, he's thinking of putting it in the ETF that matures in four years. And I thought, that's a neat way of looking at it, Mm -hmm. because one of the benefits of the ETF, in addition to the institutional bond pricing that the manager can get... You don't have very high minimums. You can buy one share if you want. I don't know if the fractional shares are available on this ETF or not, but you can definitely buy one share. And it's like 20 bucks, 25 bucks. It's not an outrageous priced share. So that was a neat idea as well. But here's something, folks, that you might not have known. And the CFA continued to explain to me that not only do they reinvest the interest, they reinvest the phantom income. And that made me go, huh? I said, you don't get that. How are you reinvesting it? Do you want to explain what phantom income is so I can take a drink of my Starbucks coffee? Or do you not know what phantom income is? No, I do. Um, Explaining it. So people understand, essentially, um, when you have an adjustment made, and, and with regard to these tips themselves, there's an adjustment made to the uh, par value, the payment at the end with the inflation, and that gets essentially reported to you or shared with you uh, from a taxability standpoint over the life of the bond, even though you don't get 
paid uh, that income, that quote income, that's the phantom part, in the year in which it's reported for tax purposes. I think that's where you're going with this, is it not? Yes. So what happens, as Chris said, is every uh, month, Every six months, you're, you will get the phantom income, but every month, CPI is reported. And what the government does, with a, if you went out and bought the TIPS bond yourself, is every six months, they would increase your principal by whatever the inflation was for the previous six months. Right. And that begins to compound in your interest payments, which, again, are low interest rates compared to a traditional bond. But your interest rates would compound over that new phantom income increase into your par value. Well, what this ETF company does, and it's to alleviate some of the tax inefficiencies of phantom income or owning tips in a brokerage account. You have to pay taxes on the phantom income, even though you didn't receive it. You don't get the phantom income. You don't get the par value adjustment, your principal value adjustment of inflation until the TIPS bond matures. Then you get your original par value you put in, let's say $1,000. You get your $1,000 back plus whatever inflation was over the period of time that the tips was issued for. So you'll get all that money, but not till the end. But each year that the money is credited to your account, you have to pay taxes on it. Now, inside an IRA, owning tips inside an IRA, no harm, no foul. Right. Because you don't have to pay taxes on it until you take it out. And it's taxed as income, and so is a distribution from an IRA. So again, no harm, no foul. Mm -hmm. So what this company does, though, is they will pay out the phantom income every quarter. Even though it's not fully uh, paid, if you will, until every six months, every quarter they will pay out the phantom income. And they do it quarterly. And what they do is because each month they get the CPI adjustment. And he said, some months CPI is positive, other months CPI is negative. He said it may average for the year 3 4 5%, but in any given month it could be up a little, down a little. So they can use the down month to offset an up month. But what they end up doing is distributing the phantom income quarterly. So I said to him, how? You don't have it. And he says, well, that's where the fund managers come in. And I says, well, what do the fund managers do? He said, well, they find it. And I said, where the hell do they find it? Under their pillow? I said, what do you mean find? Can you, can you define that? He says, well, when you're managing a portfolio, you have cash flows. We've got cash flows coming in. We have cash flows coming out. We're constantly going to be buying and selling the holdings inside this portfolio. So when they have to do a distribution, yes, they might take it from current cash flows. They might take it from selling, but they will free up the money every quarter and distribute it out. That way we issue a 1099, and you get a 1099 every year on it. So if you hold it in a taxable account, 
and you have to pay taxes on it anyways, we're at least going to give it to you. If you need those dollars to pay taxes or do something with, you'll have them. If you just own a tip, you're stuck paying taxes on dollars you never got. And it allows you to spread the taxation, not necessarily spread it out because each year you're going to have to pay taxes on it, but you get the actual dollars rather than having to wait for them three years, four years, five years, six years. But he said, however, you can reinvest those and we recommend you do especially if you're holding it inside a tax-deferred account or a taxable account and you don't need the dollars. He said, either way, whether we distribute them or not, you've got to pay taxes on it. So we're going to distribute it out, and for those who want it, they can get it. For those who don't, just have it set at your custodian to immediately reinvest it. So it will continue to compound just as if you owned the TIP bond fund yourself. But we have now created liquidity for the phantom income. I thought that was kind of cool. And yes, there are some people who may not like owning TIPs because they're stuck paying taxes on money they never got and they need that dollars. So... To see this in action, he took us to his website. And again, you can find this if you figure out who I'm talking about. And Jacob, just before I came to record this, printed out the portfolio characteristics from the website of the 10-year product. So again, we're talking about defined outcome ETFs, not a specific product. I'm not saying you should run out and buy this. I'm trying to get you to understand conceptually how a defined income investment works and how this one tied to tips can work because it's confusing. But if you look on the website of the provider... It shows you a couple of things. It shows you the yield to maturity. And you would think the weighted average yield to maturity. And most people would think the yield to maturity, that's my interest payments. But when I looked at it, it was almost 4%. And I thought to myself, before I talked to the CFA who helped design the product, when I was researching it, I thought to myself, wow, I didn't think tips were yielding 4%. That's crazy. I knew interest rates went up. How are they getting 4% on a tip? The yield to maturity reflects the anticipated inflation-adjusted phantom income. He said, look on the website. You will also see where we show the real yield. The real yield is 1.78. That's the interest payments of all the tips they hold. That's the real yield above inflation. Because remember, folks, when you have a bond that's not inflation adjusted, your coupon payment, that's your nominal yield. It's not the real yield. The real yield is what that nominal yield is worth after subtracting out inflation. But when you buy a tip, the interest payment, the coupon payment, truly is the real yield. Because your par value, your principal, your initial investment is always going to be adjusted for inflation. 
So anything you earn on the bond is above and beyond inflation. So he said, and get your HP-12C or that Texas instrument thing you use, because my HP-12C is broken. Whoa. Yes. I didn't realize they ever broke. I know. Mine broke when I, it's a reverse Polaris or whatever they think they call it, verse polar or however, you know how I have to put the dollar amount and then I have mm-hmm. to hit enter mm-hmm. and then I have to put another That's dollar amount and then what I want it Polish, to do. Polish, like the people Oh, from reverse Poland. Polish, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My enter button doesn't work. So when I hit enter, oh. it doesn't do anything. So the numbers just keep growing. I can never get mm-hmm. it to enter a data, so I got to get into HP-12C. Anyways. I can probably fix that one, just so you know. What are you going to do? I tried everything. I tried banging it against the wall. I no, tried I, I swearing sophi- at it. I have more sophisticated methods. Better than throwing it against the wall and swearing at it? Well, that's you try my method after that doesn't work. It already doesn't work. I tried both of those. Okay. Normally, one of those two work. <laughs> I will give it to you. Folks, we will see mm-hmm. if Chris can fix my HP-12C because I've always been taught by my father. First, swear at it. And mm-hmm. second, throw it against the wall. If none of those work, go get a new one. So I tried both. Okay, so he told me, look at the real yield. The yield to maturity is the anticipated phantom income inflation adjustments. That's 3.99. He said, which everybody probably knew, you subtract the two. And what does it tell you, Chris, over the next? This is the 10-year one. This tells us what? The real yield being the difference. Note, the real yield already is 1.78. It gives us the market as of this date, as of today. This changes constantly, especially the yield to maturity will change constantly. Uh-huh. It gives us the market's it's anticipated inflation. inflation rate yeah. over the next decade. So 3.99 minus 1.78. Oh, you want me to do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 2.21. The market is anticipating over the next decade about a 2% average inflation rate. Is the market right? Hell no. I don't know what it's going to be. Neither does the market. But it gives you an idea at any given time what the stated inflation rate, uh, anticipated inflation rate over the next decade is. So anyways, I just wanted to share with you that that's how this product works. Why it only goes out 10 years, not sure if they're going to be able to go longer or not. He does feel most years they would be able to add another rung and keep that 10-year rung always there, but he was hesitant to say they will. He doesn't do, he's not the distributor, he's not the marketer. He did say a lot's going to depend on demand and how the product works. So one other before I wrap up, cautionary tale for people. This is a brand new product. There are not a lot of tip bonds. I was about to say that. I've been waiting this whole time to ask you, did he mention if they're going to have availability of enough tips in the market to reinvest and buy like they're talking about and to grow this ETF with unlimited bounds? Well, within the state and maturity dates, he indicated, yes, it's outside of that realm, year 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I don't know. But what is unique is this whole series, and there's 10 ETFs, the whole series, 
the average ETF holds between two and seven bonds. And William not Sharp, I think Sharp passed away. Um, what one a name, William something, and, and a guy who's famous in investing. He came out saying he don't like these. It's not worth ten bips. Ten basis points is what this company charges. He said you can save the ten bips. Just go buy the ET, excuse me the bonds yourself. But he doesn't address mm-hmm. the ability to reinvest interest. He doesn't address the ability to get your phantom income sooner rather than later if you need it. So I disagree with him, but he's coming from the investment world. Ah, do it yourself. Save you 10 basis points. I kind of disagree on that. I, I think the ability to reinvest interest and receive phantom income now rather than later if you want it is worth 10 bips. But the CFA shared with me that most tips are issued under the same QCIP. They're just a reissue of an existing tip. So that's why they don't have much bonds. There's not many individual tips. So they have between two and seven tips. What they may end up doing is multiple lots, as you can imagine. Because new money is coming in constantly, money is coming out constantly, phantom income and interest are being distributed or reinvested. So there might be different lots of the same QCIP. So they're doing all this behind the scenes. So when you look at the number of holdings, it's actually quite minimal. And if you look at the average volume, because these are so new, it's minimal. So we had a person recently who needed and wanted the 10-year tip. I won't get into what he needed, what he was trying to do, but we manage his assets. And he wanted it on the ETF so he could have the reinvestment of the interest over the next 10 years and not have to deal with that. So we looked, and he was putting 300,000 in. And that would represent about 11,600 shares, folks. So we looked on our trading platform, the average volume since October when it came out, 4,300. We were going to buy more than twice the average volume at once. Hmm. You know what that would do to the price spread, folks? So not only that, I was worried as it happened to Alan Roth, the trade gets rejected because it's more than the average shares in one purchase. So we called Schwab's trading desk and we told them the situation. Mm -hmm. And the first thing they warned us, Schwab, do not enter this order with that big a matzo ball as a standard limit order. Don't do it. Or a market order. Yeah, that'd be scary. So instead, we were sent, and, and I don't know if you Vanguard VG do-it-yourselfers can get access to this, but call your brokers and see. We went to the block trading desk, and all's what they did, and uh, Jacob swears they called it a request for quote. I'm telling you it wasn't an RFQ. When I put this trade in, it was something else, and I wrote it down, and it's on my kitchen table. I'll tell you guys in the next <laughs> podcast. Jacob says it was, oh, it's an RFQ, Jim. I'm like, Jacob, I know what an RFQ is. I'm telling you, it wasn't an RFQ. But nonetheless, we got a hold of the block trading desk. And they gave us the bid-ask spread, 
when we were looking to purchase this, the bid was twenty five seventy nine. The ask was twenty five eighty two. So only a three cent bid ask spread. Not bad at all. But what we did, or what the block trade was explaining to us, they were going out to the market makers who would then look at the value of the holdings of the ETF and ensure that they could get an accurate current price. And there's where it shined, where there was only seven holdings in this ETF. went too hard to figure out the current value of those bonds. And we ended up being given an ask of 2581, saved a whole penny. So we saved about a third Hmm. of the ask. And they bought it immediately. And we locked that in at 2581 instead of 2582. So the gentleman explained to us and warned us until these ETFs are more actively traded and there's more shares and there's more dollars trading hands to not enter a standard limit or market order on these. So be careful if you're going to buy these and put a big amount in. Look at the average daily volume, and you might want to actually get on the horn with the trading desk. Now, we didn't have to pay a commission to do all this. I don't know if you will. But we could get all this done for our client. And because it's an ETF on the Schwab platform, even though we spoke Uh, verbally to the trade desk and didn't do it online, we still didn't have to have the client pay a commission. So do be careful. If you speak verbally, you might end up having to pay a commission. I don't know. So anyways, these are the things, if they work for you, that you might want to look for. I'm intrigued by them. I don't think they're for everyone. They're in a very strict portion of our portfolio management system, how we use it. I think it's a good bridge, but I'm also not fully sold past five years. And this gentleman wanted a 10-year one, and I have no problem with that. But my concern is, if you're to look at the difference between the real yield and the yield to maturity, which again, on these, the yield to maturity includes the market's anticipated phantom income inflation adjustments, If the market is right and inflation is only going to be 2% over the next 10 years, would we be better off buying something greater than a 3.99 yield to maturity or greater than 2%? Because that's what the anticipated inflation is. What if we could get something that might yield 5%? You can get a 10-year MIGA right now paying 5. Would that be better? I don't know. And if Alan Roth was here, he would say no. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Alan, if you're listening and more than welcome to come on and say, no, Jim, I wouldn't have said no. But he owns tips. He admitted he's more pessimistic than optimistic. And he's truly worried about rampant, out of the blue inflation hitting hard like it did in 22. Mm-hmm. And owning a MIGA wouldn't help you if you're only getting five and all of a sudden inflation is back up to 11 or 12. So he, some people are like, nope, you should own it, and you're buying it for the inflation protection. You're not trying to time the inflation game. So I did want to share that. It's something that we talk to our clients about and get their feeling, and you need to decide if you want, as Alan Roth said, to protect you from, from that, that black swan, if you will, my words, not his, inflation. 
that just rampant out of the left field inflation, the tip will truly provide that. And to not necessarily look at the market's anticipated inflation over the coming decade mm-hmm. or time period that you're going to own this tip. We're probably not going to have time to do anything else because this took much longer than we thought. But anything you want to add on this? And, and No, it's interesting stuff. I'm glad you took the time to do this because you hadn't uh, shared that level of detail about your phone call with them uh, with me. So... This was a show where I get to learn the reason I get right. to learn. And he's not lying. I, we, I don't talk to him about so. the investment side because I don't want to fill his head with everything I'm doing there. Um, so, no, you're right. This is the first time you heard it all as well. Yeah. No, it was very interesting. So I was uh, – you, you piqued my interest on this one, and I was paying attention pretty much the whole time. Wow. So Thank you. Thank you. So I'm I'm glad you made that phone call and you got somebody who who knew the mechanics of what was going on and was able to uh, he helped create it. it He was one of the CFAs who helped create it. Yeah, that's. uh, And they talk. I mean, Travis, our CFA, he uh he dumbs his cock down to me, but this guy, oh my lord, it's they talk at a different level. Uh They're so smart on investing. I'm amazed. Anyways, we, we're smart on financial planning. He's smart on investing. Anyways, folks, I hope you found this interesting. Again, we are not recommending this. We, we are not going to identify the provider. I'm talking the class, which is a defined outcome bond ETF that invests in treasury, protected, treasury inflation protected securities. And we'll go from there. And someday, I keep saying, I'll share my tip story with you that you'll You've never heard. I'll share it with everyone. What the hell? It happened probably a decade ago, Hmm. uh, one day. And you'll just laugh and say, only you could do that. (laughs) And you're like, what the hell are you talking about? That's a nice teaser for, we're going to tackle that the next show? I don't know. We we don't have enough time now, right? We've been at this for an hour, I think. Yeah, probably not today. Yeah, not today. uh, Especially if it's a good story. We (laughs) want to savor it and and really let you share the the nitty-gritty details. (laughs) <laughs> so well yeah so thanks uh so i guess we'll we'll wrap up our comments about or our, our disappointment i will say in the the article we talked about last week where it mentioned insurance products that all retirees three, should three, know about three insurance products there. three and and we're we're uh, saying that uh we're have a little bit of questions as their priorities and are shocked that they didn't include a uh whole class of uh, insurance products that um, many retirees find useful. Not all, but many. And there's no mention in the article. So we'll maybe wrap that up next week or we'll, or we'll go off on some other and the article, random as we, direction. So. As we mentioned, the article uh, yeah. was nothing more than a, a veiled yeah. attempt at an yeah. advertisement, which yeah. pissed me off also. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully we'll chat about that. If not, we'll do something else. But I think okay. people might have found this topic a little bit more interesting. Yeah, this one was out, you know, kind of in the fringes of, I, I would bet there's not a lot of uh, live podcasts right now on this particular topic. <laughs> if you were to go search for defined outcome tips-based ETFs uh, in, in your podcast software, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to hazard a guess that we're going to be the only I, one. I, no, I, someone's had to talk about this. I mean, it did the product when it came out did get in the press. I mean, mm-hmm. the, William something didn't like it. I can't remember who. Bernstein? Is that... 
thought it was William and his name began with a B at the end. When I saw the name, I recognized it. Uh, again, he didn't like them. He thought you could buy the individual tips yourself. Well, if you're a big institutional investor, that's probably true. You can do what they're doing on your own, save the 10 bips. But as a regular retail investor, like people listening to this show. Just the ability uh, to reinvest the yeah, interest. that's useful right there. So anyway. Um, so yeah, we've uh, tapped out this show, but... Uh, Next week, we'll have a new EDU show, obviously. And if you want to submit a question for our Q&A show, I'll just give a quick reminder. Uh, we oftentimes have a lot of new listeners during the, f- the first part of the year as people make their uh, resolutions uh, regarding their own finances. And uh, so we've each week, we record two shows. One is a uh, EDU show, which was today. It was a topic of, of our choosing that uh, essentially we decided to share with people, discuss. Um, then we have the Q&A show, which is driven mostly by our own listeners sending in questions that we uh, do our best to try to answer. And if you want to submit questions for the Q&A show that usually comes out on Saturdays, the EDU show that we just recorded comes out on Wednesdays each week. But that Q&A show, the best way to get the questions in for consideration is to email Jim directly. Jim at jimhelps.com is the email address. That's jimhelps.com. And put in the subject line that it's a question for the podcast and make your uh, request as concise as possible. And we'll do our best to uh, uh, consider it for a future show. So we do want to thank everybody for listening again. And uh, Jim, you have a nice evening. And everybody else will be back next week with a brand new show. You have listened to Jim on the radio, read his quotes in the media, and enjoyed his banter on iTunes. But even now, you may wonder what sets Jim Salmier and Associates apart from other financial planning companies. The answer is quite simple. Jim's diverse team of professionals specializes in retirement planning. They form a lifelong relationship with you and measure their success not through product sales, but through the security and prosperity you may achieve in your retirement. Jim's entire team shares his unwavering commitment to placing their clients' best interests first while offering their services at fair prices with full disclosures. The professionals at Jim Saulnier & Associates are available to assist you with your retirement planning needs. Visit jimhelps.com to schedule your complimentary coffee and a second opinion meeting. That's jimhelps.com or call 970-530-0556. The Retirement and IRA Show represents the words and views of the show hosts exclusively and should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. All economic and performance information is historical in nature and is not indicative of any future results. Any indices mentioned on the show are unmanaged and cannot be invested indirectly. Diversification and asset allocation strategies do not assure profit or protect against loss. Never make any investment or financial decisions based on information offered on this show without first consulting your financial, legal, or tax advisor. Financial planning services offered through Jim Solnier & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor. 